The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Mark Immelman. I'm Chip Patterson. The Tour Championship is in the books. And Mark, you were there at Eastlake. And I, I got to say, as we were uh, having some discussions throughout the weekend, and I was thinking about you there at the course and, and you putting in work and, and trying to cover this event, I was thinking, man, it's... It's got to be nice that on Sunday uh, it wasn't, you know, but heat index of 112 and muggy. You got almost some football weather as Rory McIlroy uh, came down and outlasted both Xander Shoffley and Brooks Kepka. Uh, what what was it like? I know that it's not not too far from home, so it's a little bit of a home field uh, advantage for you. Uh, how are you feeling with the Tour Championship in the books? Well, truth be told, Chip, when I woke up this morning, the adrenaline had sort of worn off a little bit. So I was uh, into my morning coffee and just sort of reliving the whole thing for a little while with my wife before she head off to work. And it was a sensational week. Um, Atlanta, Eastlake is such a great venue. And, and, and I was glad that the fans showed out in the weekend, you know. I think the move by the PGA Tour to compress the schedule and finish the regular season and the playoffs before football started – was, was a real masterclass because you felt it in the galleries yesterday on the, uh, on the final round. And, and you're right, the weather felt like football early on in the morning. We weren't for some early coverage because, of course, they couldn't finish the round uh, Saturday due to that rough weather. And, and early in the morning was drizzly and cold, and it felt heavenly compared to the first few days when a 12-year heat index record was beaten, apparently. And so uh, we had it all, and in the end, I, I think it was – a tremendous finish because as you looked at the leaderboard, it was basically um, Sands Tiger, uh, the PGA Tour's glitterati. Now, obviously, Adam, um, uh, pardon me, Justin Rose wasn't around, but with McElroy and Shafley and Thomas and Kepka and Paul Casey and Adam Scott, I mean, they had a really sound leaderboard around a good golf course. And 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 I think, honestly, um, I, I think the season turned out the way it should because Brooks was dominant and Rory was consistently sound. And in the end, they basically the two best players in the PGA Tour this season. The PGA Tour, uh, I will give the the tour credit because uh, they have through throughout process, you know, throughout this time, they've said we're going to put something in, but then we want to, you know, take in data. We want to see what happens, and then we are open minded to to tweaking and to adjusting the rules. And so, with our really our first data point for this new, uh, you mentioned the compressed schedule. We've also got you know the first data point for the new. Uh, the new scoring system. Uh, do you think that the scoring system, the compressed schedule, dropping one playoff event, do you think that it was able to produce uh, a tour championship that was worthy of what the PGA Tour had in mind? Well, I, I think so. I mean, dropping the one playoff event, 
It was good from the player's standpoint. Now, from the fan's standpoint, it's less golf. And so, you know, we suffer, if you will. <clears throat> but for these guys, it was a grueling season because with the season compressed, scheduling became very important for these players, you know, especially the big guys. And, and they were back and forth between the United Kingdom and here and cross country. And, and we touched three major venues in New York and Chicago and Atlanta in the playoffs. And so... I think the reduction to three um, just kept the players more fresh. Um, mm -hmm. you, had, you had fewer players pulling out because, you know, with the old system of four, some of the guys who were comfortable to make it to the finale at Eastlake, they'd just take the first one off anyway to rest. And so uh, I, it was a grueling schedule, so I think that was a, a positive. And, and in the end, if you look at the scoring, I mean, the, even with the staggered start or whatever we're going to call this, um, it still turned out pretty well. I mean, I was actually adjusting the leaderboard over coffee this morning, and McElroy would have been 13 under without his start. Xander, 10. Um, third place would have been Paul Casey at 7 under. Brooks would have been 4th at 6. Adam Scott would have been 5th at 5 under. And so, and JT and a few other guys were sort of 4 and 3 respectively. So, um, it, it worked out well. I mean, there was lots of conversation, lots of criticism. A few players came out and said they liked it. Justin Thomas said he didn't enjoy it so much, which I found it interesting because, you know, this was the guy who came in with a two-stroke advantage. But to that point, that's a, that, that's a new talking point too because, you know, it shows that playing with big leads is not as easy as people think it is. So I think it brought a new perspective into play. And I think in the end, as we look back, we got the correct leaderboard. You had the right guys, and I say that with respect to the rest. You had the right guys competing for one of the tour, for the tour's biggest prize, and, um, and and it all turned out well, in my opinion. Um, I loved the fact Rory McIlroy mentioned on the in his interview on the broadcast that he was really focused on the birdie putt on eighteen because he had, he knew in his head that if he if he drop if he dropped the birdie putt, he would have the best score to par without adjustment. He, mm -hmm. It really, really mattered to McElroy, not just that he be the winner, but like you just mentioned, having done uh, your own math, it seemed that either Rory or, or Harry, Harry Diamond or you know someone in his camp, he seemed to know in his mind the score that he needed to shoot or where he needed to finish in order to not only have the lowest adjusted score winning the 15 million and the FedEx Cup and the Tour Championship, but just outright, you know, if you just gone back and made it the lowest 72 hole score, then I thought that the competitiveness of that, the fact that what was what was really on Rory's mind at that moment was, you know, not the money. And he, he's even tried to say the, you know, the, the money's great. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to turn down that, uh, that big prize purse, but at the same time for the, as a competitor, uh, I think it was so fascinating in that moment that, he was thinking about um, Memphis at the WGC where he's in the final group with Brooks, but then Brooks goes on to win and getting a little bit of revenge there. He's thinking about even though there's this scoring adjustment, I want to have the lowest 72 hole score, you know, for a, for a season that has been uh, a big statement season for Rory McIlroy in his Hall of Fame career and with with many, many years left and a lot more that is, has yet to be told. I really loved the focus and the competitiveness that he showed on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and if you look through the years at Eastlake, you know, it's, it's a stingy golf course and it's a real test as we had documented in the, the, the pre-tournament podcast. And, 
and the 13 under, he shot the unadjusted score. Uh, that was golfing over there. I mean, he beat the field uh, by 13 strokes. The average score for the week was 70 for the field, and that's basically par around there. And so uh, there certainly was a statement that was made. And and to that as well, I, I like you bring up the Brooks Kepka comparison at Memphis where he was thoroughly dusted. Um, and then last year at this edition at Eastlake, Let's remember Rory was in the final twosome alongside Tiger Woods. And I think McElroy birdied the first, but then uh, Woods just turned on the spigot and Rory sort of wilted a little bit and, of course, was caught up in the mayhem of that final hole. And, and I think there were a lot of demons, if you will, that were exercised, um, exercised last night. And, and I love the fact that the tour allowed the folks to stream and run down the fairway like they did last year. And, and, and there was all sorts of chance of Rory, Rory, Rory. So it was, I think yesterday, let's put the 15 million aside. Let's put the FedEx cup aside. Let's put all that sort of stuff. I think this was uh, almost mark this date. I think this might be a watershed for McElroy, who is honestly of late, not closed in a few of the uh, leads that he has and, and not performed as well in the final rounds as what, he certainly expected, I'm sure, and, and the rest of us did. So yesterday was it was a big, big day. And and I love the way, Chip, he, he let the round come to him. I think mm. in the past, he, he was too aggressive too early. He was always trying to be the aggressor, where if you watch the round yesterday, he hit the ball on the smart side of the flag over the first six or seven holes, six out of seven times. And, and so he didn't force the issue. He was trailing Brooks, let's not forget. Didn't force the issue, just played his way into the round, took the lead, and then accelerated when he played a bit more aggressively. Then obviously you have that rough patch there, 14-15, which were two um, daunting holes. I was covering 15 for a while for PGA Tour Live. And then things are wobbling, and everyone was like, oh my goodness. And then he makes a massive par save. I mean, that save on 16, that sort of galvanized the thing. And then he obviously finishes at a canter with two birdies. And so it, it, it was a beautifully constructed round of golf from McElroy. And, and, and it's the kind of thing I believe that when he's in contention in majors, which he will be, let's not beat around the bush. Right. He could look at the way he's put this final round together and how that was good enough to win. And he didn't have to go out and do stuff super special. I, I do not know uh, the adjustments to the official world golf rankings, but as we... Uh, look ahead to 2020 within the golf world for the discussion of who is who's the alpha who's number one is that in your mind uh, a two horse race is do we start next season just Brooks and Rory Rory and Brooks and everyone has their own flavor and we get to have fun and argue about it all day Uh, yeah we're gonna have some fun with it um certainly Brooks and Rory are the alphas but you know, Dustin Johnson's not playing the way he should, but he's got the alpha kind of personality. Um, Justin Thomas is up there. Uh, Justin Rose. Uh, let's not forget John Rahm. I mean, this guy, this guy it, it, he has that generational type talent. And so you've got some guys up at the top there that have that ability and they have the stature about them to, uh, and, and the presence, I guess is the right mm. word, to be the alpha. Um, you know, Brooks is going to demand your attention just because of the way he looks and, and, and the statements he makes in the press. And then, obviously, he backs that up with a game. Rory is very candid, um, you know, lets you in a little bit. And then when he hits a golf ball, he, he's one of those that's, 
Brooks Kepka said it. He goes, I like to watch Rory McIlroy hit golf balls because the guy is just, he, he makes your eyes pop the way he hits it. And then DJ is the same thing. Justin Rose is calculated and he's been the world's number one. Justin Thomas has got all sorts of skills. And then Ram is big, he's imposing, hits the ball beautifully. He's mercurial, which I love. And so I, I think you've got to consider all those guys. But, but I, it, it is the Brooks-Rory story for a little while, I think. What do you make of uh, Brooks Kepka's performance? You know, he gets he gets lost in the woods on seven. Uh, I, it, I I don't know if if I don't know if Brooks Kepka if he was playing on his own if he would have wanted to spend a full three minutes looking for his ball. Kind of seems like he likes to keep things moving, but uh, you know, he certainly at least used his full three minutes. Let's how do you how do you sort of track uh, Kepka's round in in terms of you know where he was at the. When he was the, out there Sunday morning finishing up the third round, I thought he was showing some great form. And he, he finished in the morning, and his comments after that conclusion of the third round, he, he really seemed to have some some positivity. He had turned things around from a rough start to the, his third round before the weather delay. And so in, in my mind, in the layoff between the end of the third round on Sunday morning and the, the uh, full fourth round and final round on Sunday afternoon, I was thinking, man, you know, I think Brooks is about to go win this thing. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, they start to go sideways and uh, then he ended up continuing to compound mistakes on mistakes. You know, what what do you make of Kepka's final round and his tour championship effort? Well, to me, first off, I, there, there was an element of fatigue. Um, but, but, but there's one thing that all pro golfers will admit, and I, I'm not so sure Brooks would admit it. Maybe he would, but... But he wasn't playing so well coming into the Tour Championship. He'd come off a 30th in New Jersey at the Northern Trust, a top 25 barely at the BMW with a good final round. He shot five under par there to sort of backdoor a top 25. And the ball striking really wasn't there. And Eastlake is going to expose you if, if you're not putting the ball in play off the tee. And, and typically that driver of his is a weapon. Uh, and... He, he got to a place where he's on he's comfortable on Bermuda greens that we know and and he had been rolling the ball well and so if Brooks drives it well and puts it well that's the recipe for his success um, and and I just I, I too I was with you when when he finished the morning round with that back nine I was like okay goodness this is a statement perhaps he's got it figured out but but the golf swing for me in my opinion. Um, some, I'm sure someone will correct me if they think I'm wrong, but I don't think he had his best stuff about him. And so the the, the tee shot on 17, because he normally fades the golf ball. I mean, that's a big miss. And then he bounces back with a spectacular birdie on eight, which talks speaks of the mindset. Sure. But then, then the fatigue sets in. Then McElroy, uh, you know, sort of still in the lead. And, and then those bogeys on 12, 13, and 14. They were basically the coup de grace. And it looked like a somewhat tired performance and I, I that's hard to say given the physical specimen he is but 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 he just didn't look like he had it the entire week and and he played his way into contention just with sheer mental acumen and 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 just you know a whole bunch of grit and gumption and resolve i mean if, if you look at the strokes gain numbers off the tee for brooks he was 22nd in the field of 30. so and, and so that speaks to who he is the the iron game was really stout i think i think he was just outside the top five, and and the putting was solid too. But he was just battling the tee game, and and at Eastlake, you just can't do that. Yeah, he's he does have that uh, that big 
brawny uh, almost recovery and, and it helped him at, at Bethpage on his way to a PGA championship where even if he was a little bit wayward or if he's landing in the rough he's so strong he's still able to get it up and out but at uh to to have Brooks Kepka be 22nd out of 30 is uh, is quite a statement that's that's a pitcher who doesn't quite have his fastball right he's just yeah. Not there, just not quite uh, there. You mentioned Dustin Johnson earlier, and so before we uh, before we hit the ad break, I want to just sort of bring him up briefly. But uh, rough week for DJ, and it concludes what has been um, a a full second half of the season. I would argue that has not been up to full Dustin Johnson form. He's right there at the Masters on that you know star studded leaderboard Sunday morning. He's right there at the PGA Championship up in the top five. And then since then, we have really, uh, we have not seen him. And I was watching the broadcast from home. I, I don't feel like I saw much Dustin Johnson. And it's because every single round was over par. Uh, he finishes near the bottom of the leaderboard. And so I, I just wonder if, if, if maybe you picked up something uh, either being around Eastlake or if you have any insight here. Is there any reason to be concerned or, you know, at least curious as to what's happened or where DJ's at at this point uh, after a second half of the season that is not quite up to the standard of what we expect from the former world number one. Now, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned for various reasons. First off, you know, with a guy that flies at 320 plus, he's turning basically most of the par fours he plays into driver and a wedge. And so he, if, 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 the, if he gets the ball anywhere, down there close to the green, he can get the ball on the green. So he'll have a week or two, if things remain as they are, which I don't think they will, um, he's going to have a week or two where he can wedge it in there tight and be competitive and probably pull one or two out. He played beautifully when he won down in Mexico, which was a tightish golf course that shouldn't really fit his game. But you're right, the second half wasn't stout, but there were, uh, you know, there was an upset in the apple cart. We talked about it in our previous podcast where, you know, he had left his longtime coach for a while. Um, and then hooked up with a guy who runs these academies and they work for some and, and they looked like there was a bit of traction made and then they split again. And then he was back with Claude Harmon. Um, he had worked with Butch, Claude's dad, for a long time. So there's, I, I, don't, I don't think there's conflicting golf swing theory on the go, but there's certainly in a place where I'm not so sure Dustin's convinced about what's going on. But this is easily remedied now for a guy who's going to have a few months off. Uh, and then the President's Cup's out in front and, and a few events, I'm sure, in the fall, one or two. And so now you can sort of just sit back, revisit everything, um, in however Dustin does that, and then just you know get back to the grindstone and let the athlete in him take over. Um, if, for Johnson, it's simple. He, he doesn't want to see the golf ball go left. I was covering him one day for PGA Tour Live, and his brother and Caddy Austin came and walked up the fairway next to me and he's like, you know, DJ is just hitting one too many left balls and, and, and that's not working for him. And so when the doubt creeps in, that's hard, even if you're a great golfer like Dustin Johnson. So they'll work it out. You know, he's back with Claude and I'm sure they'll figure out the path. And, and the one thing Dustin has going for him is, I mean, everything, I mean, everything is like water on a duck's back to him. And nothing phases him at all. And, <laughs> and I'm sure he'll take this in his stride and be fine when the new season rolls around. In your experience as a coach and, and as a as a teacher of the game, uh, what's the, you know, is, do you, do you sense that sometimes 
um, changing the voices and change. You mentioned uh, whether it's there's potential, you know, swing theory. Like what what are some of those changes that uh, that happen for golfers? Do they really take some time where you're just out of the grind of the compressed schedule before we as fans should expect any kind of uh, big time adjustments or results? No, absolutely, absolutely. Basically, you form habits with your golf swing and with your putting stroke and whatever. And and, and in a grilling schedule where you've played a lot, uh, I'd make a NASCAR comparison that you're just making running repairs. It's like the the, the car is in the race and, and you can't adjust over, overall or adjust the entire makeup of the car. You're just tweaking here and there. And so things sort of flow away from their equilibrium. They flow away from their neutral. So in a time now when something's been adjusted, when there's some time off, you can go and work that out and make it habit again. And, and the beauty about Dustin, he's climbed to the top of the mountain. He knows what he's got to do. They know exactly the numbers, the footage. They've got all that stuff. So they can just go and compare and contrast and, and, and devise a plan to get back there. So, yes, it does take time, even for these great athletes. And maybe not time to work it in physically, but time more than anything just to trust it. And the trust under pressure and the trust – when you're in contention to win big events, that's probably the biggest deal for these guys. Coming up on the other side, more from Eastlake and thoughts about who might be the captain's picks for the President's Cup with Mark Immelman next. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, you mentioned Dustin Johnson having that opportunity uh, with the President's Cup. Tiger Woods has some important decisions to make. I, I wondered, you know, we've, we've got some time. I believe it's the week of November 4th uh, when those decisions are going to be made. But with all of those players and so many who hope to be a part of the President's Cup around Eastlake, I, I figured I'd roll this one out there. Do you have any, did you hear any chatter about it? Are players thinking about those last four uh, captain's picks on the President's Cup roster on either team, uh, really? Yeah, there was there, there was some chatter about it. It was more from the American point of view. Uh, I Honestly, I didn't, I, I talked briefly with um, 
with uh, Louis Westhuizen, who's ranked number two in the international team, and I caught up with Mark Leishman, the number one ranked guy, and 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 they talked about it some. Abraham Answer, I caught up with, and he was just so jacked that he had earned himself an automatic spot. But they didn't really talk about who was coming in. They they more talked about the the, the nucleus of what their team currently is. Obviously, with the United States team, the big conversation everywhere, no matter where you go, is whether Captain Tiger Woods will play himself. Right. And right now, <laughs> he's in ninth, and he's one spot. He was one spot out of automatic qualification. So it makes sense, you know, if you just look at the ranks that that, that he would be your guy. Patrick Reed, that guy just relishes match play, and he's a lightning rod, and, and, and he wants to be on the team. He's just he's like Captain America, we call him so. And and then there's Fowler, and and then Mickelson, who hasn't played so well. Uh, I feel like Cat Cantlay, you know, should should be. Um, pardon me, I'm, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the wrong rankings here. There's some guys that that, that really should play their way in. So uh, Finau is a definite. I feel like. Ricky, you've got to consider uh, the big question, of course, is, is Tiger Woods and, and, and whether he decides to play. And that's going to be the big conversation. Do you think if, if just right now, um, you know, we're we're sitting here enjoying our morning coffee, the tour championships in the books, it's, it's Mark and Chip, we're shooting the breeze. Do you think Tiger Woods will pick himself? Um, that is that's so hard. I, I, I think it's going to have a lot to do with how he feels physically. And, you know, he's got his event the week before the Hero World Challenge. And, and, and obviously, we'll have to make the selections before then. Um, right now, if you had to catch me and sort of shake me awake in the middle of the night, I, I think Tiger Woods might just adopt the role as captain and not play. But, you know, we've talked about this before, that competitive fire burns bright. And, and Tiger is, is, is still, to use your term, one of the alpha dogs around the place. And I'm sure he'd love to, love to play. So, you know, I'm 50-50 on that, but I'm leaning towards him not playing and just captaining the team. Shake me awake in the middle of the night and I say, absolutely, he picks himself. He can't help it. He cannot help. It. And here's the the sort of caveat to that, because if I if I remember correctly, I'm certainly not a part of the... Uh, the the president's cup decision making room or part of that executive body whatever they've decided to to call the uh, the meetings that they hold but i i believe that we are, are going to have alternates that will probably be named as well and i would mm-hmm. assume that tiger woods is in november going to announce himself as one of the captain's picks but there is probably going to be some messaging to one or two of the alternates that says hey you know or get ready, you know, we're, we're going to need you to make the trip because the 50-50 chance in my mind is not whether Tiger Woods is going to announce himself as a captain's pick. The 50-50 chance in my mind is whether Tiger Woods, after the Hero World Challenge, after making the the trip, if when he actually gets out there in December in the President's Cup, if whether he his body is going to be in top form. And so, you know, perhaps there is some scenario where he is an announced member of the team, but if he knows that his body isn't 
quite right. And they've got uh, some, some younger blood there as an alternate that we could have. Uh, perhaps he, he steps aside uh, and lets the alternate step in. But I, I just, I got to imagine that knowing after the 2019 season that he finished one spot outside of automatic qualifying, you know, perhaps he's, he's been humbled in so many ways throughout his career. Um, but I, I imagine that there's a pride factor to this where Tiger Woods still might pick himself. Well, just to clear, just to clean it up real fast, I, I'm looking at the projected rankings now, and he's currently projected 13. Um, you, you've got Finau in front, who's ninth. He, he's he's an automatic, in my opinion. I mean, the guy pairs off with anyone, and he's playing great. Gary Woodland is 10th. Ricky Fowler is 11th. Patrick Reed is 12th. I mean, you could make a case for those four over there, and then Tiger Woods just outside, and then farther down the list, you have to consider Kevin Kisner, who, you know, is a dynamite match player, and he was fantastic in in the president's cup in the last edition at liberty national so so yeah it's going to be exciting times my hope is that some of these guys are on the outside looking in right now this is the catalyst for them to play in some of the fall events to to sort of turn captain woods's head a little bit so 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 either way I'm, it's going to be some fun times over the next few weeks um one player that we ha- only touched on briefly earlier in the show. Uh, curious what your observations were of Justin Thomas, who um, we he mentioned before. You know, the the playing with a lead was a was almost a a joking or a, a laughable talking point going in, sleeping on the Wednesday night lead. But you know, even then, as you mentioned afterwards, it it wasn't the best headspace or it wasn't something maybe necessarily that JT was totally prepared for. It was great for him to get his first PGA tour win of the season heading into the tour championship to be able to find some of that winning golf, to be able to, as in Thomas's own words, remember how hard it is to win a golf tournament. Uh, But he was not at Eastlake able to uh, convert on that. He was right there though, 67, 67, 68, and then a 72 on Sunday. Uh, What were some of your observations? about uh, Thomas as you know he after being hurt and after missing uh, one major championship missing the Wells Fargo with that wrist injury I find him to be an interesting part of this collage of elite golfers where it was not that long ago we were talking about JT like that he was the number one player in the world but like he was uh, that guy or that dude and and just sort of you know, what do you see from, from Thomas here at the tour championship and, uh, and what should we expect from him moving forward? Well, before I get to JT, uh, you, you make a really good point. And, and the, the PGA tour is like a revolving door, you know, for, for a person like me now, a recovering PGA tour golf instructor, now broadcaster, um, it, it's you, you like here today, gone this afternoon kind of thing, because there, there's just, there's a cyclical nature to everything. And, 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 Golf is variable. Golf is volatile. And, and so you might have a guy who finds a rich vein, vein of form like Thomas did and things go your way and putts drop. And then, you know, the stuff goes off the boil a little bit. And there's so many players waiting in the wings. I mean, for, for the case study for this argument is Jordan Spieth, um, who was next to unbeatable for a while. Now he's missed the top 30 for two years in a row. And, and this is a guy really struggling to find form. So Fans and pundits and all everyone, golfers indeed, need to bear in mind that golf is golf and, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. The thing to me, and I'm going to look at Justin from the 36,000 foot view, it's been a sound season. To play around an injury, especially a wrist injury, is daunting for any golfer because 
Think of the speed these guys go at, how many times they hit the ground, not just uh, in tournaments, but in practice. And, and to, to get by a wrist injury is really challenging. And, and he's played, he played 20 events, had 18 cuts made, a win a second, three thirds, seven top tens, 14 top 25. So he's a force. He absolutely is a force. Um, did he win as much as what we expect? No, but it's just so hard to win on the PGA Tour. And, and you had a guy in Brooks Kepka who's currently in that vein of form. Uh, you might argue, if, if, if a person is presumptuous enough to say, maybe he's on a bit of a downturn and Rory's on the up. But, but that's something to bear in mind all of the time. The PGA Tour is a momentum-driven place. It's like the NBA. It's like the NFL. It's like the national leagues. You find teams streaking. You find teams waning. But in the end, you must look at the overall body of work. And, and Justin is one of the top teams. And, and I'll use the team analogy sure. there. Even though he's not as good as what we expect, he's still someone to be reckoned with every time he tees it up. There's, uh, well, I mean, of course we can say team because that's that's the way all the golfers, uh, mm. it's, it's like the Jordan Spieth language, right? Well, you know, yeah. we, we did a great job on seven. You know, we, we did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always a team effort uh, with that group. Um, any any other you know as as you are decompressing and, and emptying out the notebook, any other observations uh, from your time at East Lake this weekend? Uh, yeah, I went to an Atlanta Falcons preseason game, and I'm just so jacked for football to start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to the fall a little bit. I've just got a couple of events for PGA Tour Live to cover, uh, one in Napa and then the Presidents Cup. So. I'm looking forward to time off, and, but, but I think that I love the fact that the playoffs were in big markets. You know, uh, uh, next, next year we've got a major championship, the PGA in San Francisco, and, and golf is going to some cool places, and, and you see the U.S. Open going to some different golf courses. And, and so I, I, I hate to sound like a bit of a homer here, but, but um, I'm excited that people around the globe, certainly because of broadcast, but certainly people around the United States are getting to see the best. And, and, and if anyone listening to this hasn't been to a PGA Tour event, you should go because these golfers will make your eyes stand on stalks. I mean, the way they hit the golf ball is just so much fun to watch. And, and there are times, Chip, that me with a live microphone in my hand, I'm going to bite my tongue not to say what I'm really thinking because these guys are crazy, man, how good they are. And, and, and they like the, the best of the very best. And, and, and it's, it was cool to see the best show up at the Tour Championship last week. If I had a live microphone in my hand and I was standing <laughs> behind Rory McIlroy on a tee box, I, I think that I would uh, struggle not to just say, oh, gosh, that's beautiful. Every single time <laughs> he, uh, he tees it up. I kind of do that. In, in my head, I, I've got words that shouldn't really be said on air that, that I'm wanting to, to use to describe the way the golf balls hit. I said to the more golf announcing stuff. Yeah, it, it's, it's cool to watch these guys. It's cool to watch the power. You know, there's, everyone's complaining about the speed of the ball, and it has to be managed. Look, let's be honest. Everyone's talking about speed of play. It has to be managed, but managed. But when you watch these guys hit a golf ball, hello, when you watch the uh, Major League Baseball or hit a baseball, it, it's just these folks are taking stuff to a different level now. And it's, it's, they're superhuman in a way. And it's, it's, it's cool to see. And it's cool for me to be inside the ropes to get a close up. 
Always fun. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Mark, thank you very much. Sure, buddy. You take care.